Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we talk about nicknames in African football, with Benin's squirrels set to change their name. Also, we go to Zambia and meet the man known as the Dancing Pastor. That's Pastor Peter Makembo, and we hear his story of how he felt called by God to lead the country's sports supporters group. We are, we are transforming the minds of the people. Oh, from, from, from insults, from hooligans, from oh, unpalatable ways towards the team. That's an amazing story coming up later, uh, plus Stuart on the unpredictable start to the English Premier League season as the surprises continued on match day three. But first, it was a busy show last week and we didn't have time to talk about Ghana legend Asamoa Jan's hopes to make a surprise return to the Ghana squad for this year's World Cup in Qatar. Well, Jan is 36 and without a club at the moment. He has 107 caps for the Black Stars and last played for them two years ago in July 2019. Well, Jan told BBC Sport that he's embarking on a fitness programme with the hope of making a fourth appearance at the World Cup finals. Well, this would be quite something, Ida. Uh, certainly the Cameroon legend Roger Miller played at the World Cup at the age of 42. That was back in 1994. Any chance of Jan making it to Qatar? Well, it's a move that's certainly been welcomed by the likes of Fekafoot President Samuel Etor and the likes of Gian's former teammate, Christian Atsu. Etor encouraged it, actually saying that it's Gian's passion and love for country that makes him want to give another World Cup a shot. Though, look, truth be told, I doubt Etor would say anything different, really. But... It's more the possibility of making amends to Ghana and to Africa, I would think. Gian is chasing Steve. After all, Ghana is in the same group as Nemesis Uruguay and that penalty miss. What it meant for the continent, Steve, I actually don't think any of us can really imagine what it's been like to carry that burden every day of one's life like Gian. And sure, there are parallels that can be drawn. You know, Miller came out of retirement for that 1994 World Cup. Gian has been out of play for close to two years. Miller was 42 then. Gian will be encouraged by the fact that he will be 37 if he gets a shot by then. But the football dynamics of now are also very different from then. I mean, it's just two months to the World Cup, Steve, and... All sentiment aside, fitness should be a major factor considered. I mean, this is the grandest stage with the world's best players who get in regular game time at the world's best clubs. Gian, well, he remains Ghana's all-time leading scorer. He also holds the record as the African with the most goals at the World Cup. And maybe, just maybe, that should be enough. This one's going to be interesting to follow. We'll see if Asamoa Jan can make a comeback to the Black Star squad for the World Cup at the age of 36. 
Now, a proposal to change the nickname of Benin's national team from the Squirrels to the Cheetahs is awaiting government approval. Benin's football federation president Matarin Tchakos announced the plan, as the Squirrels is felt by many to be a nickname that doesn't bring fear to the opposition,、uh, that it doesn't sound intimidating enough. Uh, but the squirrel certainly is one of the many legendary nicknames for national teams in African football. Ida, and this is not the first time that there's been a plan for Benin to scrap the nickname the Squirrels. Right, Steve. There was a similar move back in 2008, and another one in 2018. But yes, both of course didn't pass. And、um, <laughs> it's exactly as you've said. I mean, the name doesn't really strike fear in the hearts of opponents, and、uh, that name, <laughs> the squirrels. Actually, came up in the sixties, and at the time, you know, it was to symbolize a small country aiming to rise. But the team's ambitions have since changed. Steve, after all, this is a team that made it to the Afcon four times. As such, they now want a name that will represent their ambitions. Hence, the Cheetahs. Actually, Steve, the Pythons had also been suggested, which. I think would instill a different level of fear, <laughs> but yes, looking all around them and、uh, their neighbors certainly have some very intimidating names. You know, the lions of Teranga, the indomitable lions of Cameroon, elephants for Ivory Coast. You know, so it should be one of Maturin Dechaku's first acts as FA president. In his second term in office after being elected unopposed. Yes,、uh, thanks, Ida. Asking for your thoughts on nicknames this week on social media. What's your favourite nickname in African football? As Benin might change their nickname from the Squirrels to the Cheetahs,、uh, it's one of those legendary nicknames for national teams that have been a part of the fun and excitement of African football. So, what's your favourite nickname for a club or a national team in African football? You can go to our Facebook page and post a comment there. That's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send. Let's say WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. What's your favourite nickname in African football, either at national team level or at club level? Now, last week on social media, we asked, "Who do you think is the greatest African women's player ever?" As Nigeria's Assisat Oshwala became the first African player to be nominated for the Women's Ballon d'Or after a good season with Barcelona, and last month Assisat won a record fifth African Women's Player of the Year award. That means she has surpassed legends like fellow Nigerians Perpetua Nkwacha, who won the award four times, and Mercy Akide, a trailblazer who won the first award back in 2001. So we asked, who do you think is the greatest African women's player ever? And we had a big response. The overwhelming majority went with these statistics there and said it is Oshwala for her record of fifth Women's Player of the Year award.、Uh, Suleiman in Nigeria said Assisat all the way, and a guardian angel in Nigeria says I pray she wins the Ballon d'Or award. Sahid Oladimeji, also in Nigeria, says congratulations, and by God's grace, you're going to win it, sister. 
Also backing Asis Atoshwala is Ashukra in Nigeria, Yusuf in the Gambia, Fat Thompson in Ghana and Balong Baji in the Gambia, and many others including John Dilla Udukwa, who says Asisat is an African female Messi, and George Otterbong, who says you cannot compare anyone with Asisat Oshwala. The girl is more than wonderful, and Nigeria has the most talented people in Africa and in the whole world, says George. So, Oshwala was the overwhelming first choice here, but there were some who argued the case for the four-time African Women's Player of the Year, Perpetua Nkwacha, as the greatest African female player ever. Uh, Adi Iza Ismail in Nigeria says, yes, Perpetua Nkwacha, uh, so too Festus Umahi, who says no one is like Perpetua Nkwacha in Africa. And Namdi Unoma says Perpetua Nkwacha has no comparison with anyone in Africa. Asisat is good, but doesn't have the intensity that Perpetua brought to the game. Kwong Atibright says the greatest of Africa is nobody else but Perpetua Nkwacha, although the new generation won't know her, says Kwong. And Tolu Makali says Nkwacha was a delight to watch. Just like JJ Okacha, she is the greatest women's player ever. Uh, while Pedo David said comparison is not the issue here, they're both great individually and good ambassadors to Africa and Nigeria. That's all that matters, so we wish them well, says uh, Pedo. And uh, yeah, indeed, it is difficult to compare different generations, so uh, some they're very passionate about the cause of Petua Nkwacha. And we have some other suggestions too as to who's the greatest African women's player ever. Uh, Joseph in Malawi goes for a Malawian, that's Tabitha Chawinga, who plays for Inter Milan. Uh, also agreeing with Joseph is a Joe Padre Bling Mwandili. Uh, then going for another Inter Milan player was Alang John in Cameroon. Alang says it's Ajara and Chute from Cameroon, saying she's in another class and she's underrated. And Tako Mrex in South Africa says Portia Modise from South Africa. Uh, she certainly had a great career. And uh, finally, Kazakh Chiang Ed says, I will give it to Asisat, uh, but Barbara Bander of Zambia is my favourite African female footballer ever. And indeed, uh, last year, Barbara Bander at the Tokyo Olympics became the first female player in the history of the Olympics to score back-to-back hat-tricks and the first to score two hat-tricks in one tournament. Well, so thanks to everybody who got in touch. Always great to hear from you and a really interesting debate there. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And still to come, Stuart on the English Premier League as Manchester United got a big result against Liverpool. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programmes in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and you enter Planet Sport Football Africa. We're now to a fascinating interview from Zambia. This is the sound of the country's sports supporters group, led by a man known as the Dancing Pastor. That's Pastor Peter Makembo. He's a famous figure not only in Zambia, but beyond the country's borders too. Uh, Pastor Makembo mesmerizes people with his dancing support in the terraces at sports events, especially at football matches. He leads a band and is ever-present at all matches, both at home and abroad, when Zambia are playing. Now, Patrick Nyangulu spoke to the dancing pastor in Lusaka in Zambia, 
to find out why he has this unique lifestyle and first ask how he got into football. Yes, with the right when I was a mass servant in Roman Catholic, I was born in a Roman Catholic family. Being in Roman Catholic parentship, we were all taken to that church where I had an interest in, in the sports activities where I was discovered to be playing football. And uh, playing football at church where the team of under 14. And that under 14 in Matero, uh, in Lusaka, uh, that's where Lusaka Tigers had their stadium. And uh, during those period of time, uh, clubs they were very good in tapping uh, the talents from the grassroots. And during that period of time, we had Jan Simlambo, one of our mentor midfielder at that time, in the in the in the seventies eighties, he was so keen follower. He, he was a believer, so he used to conduct some some services while we were in camp. It happens that when you enter camp on Friday, there is no way you could mingle with the outsiders. There was too much belief in those lines, so you could only come out of of the camp after the game, and that was Sunday. And that Sunday, the church service would have done all their services. Uh, you will only be released uh, after 18 or 19 hours after the game. Did you miss the church services? I did not miss much, because as I earlier said, we had a, a staunch believer in the name of John Simulambo, who used to, 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 to administer the word of God in the camp. The more time I've uh, mingled with you, and I uh, met some of your personal friends, they would call you Peter, and at time, uh, laugh over you, say, you, you used to be a notorious football player as a boy. Yeah, you see, God, God, God makes sure that uh, he changes, he transforms the uh, personnel whom he wants to, to change. Those who are seeing notorious in me, uh, they were seeing it. Those who were seeing humbleness in me, they were seeing it. So the, to marry the two, you just have to maintain what your heart is telling you to do. And out of what you are being told to do is what comes out. Uh, we, we are not really known to say you may, you only know the fruit by uh, a tree by its fruit. Uh, to say a mango tree will produce mango fruit. So the Spirit of God which was in me was just pushing me to say, move in that direction, move in that direction. And that direction was playing soccer. And that soccer, it brought me to the light where people of Zambia, they were saying, okay, we have got a player in Matero by the name of this man. And this man, uh, he has got future in playing. At, 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 at Tigers, I ended up now from under 14 to the B side to the many team. So when did you become a pastor? In 1990, when Zambia transformed itself from one, one state party to the Mount Party. By then, I was playing at, at the city of Lusaka. Uh, Panch Kaunda was the team manager at the city of Lusaka. Uh, when the country was going into, into Mount Partism, so many things were happening on the ground because of the security of the first son of our Republican president. Uh, so he was detached from the city of Lusaka. 
And people, by then, there had a lot of talkings against the name of Kaunda. So out of that, things did not go well with the happenings at Woodland Stadium. So Kaunda left, uh, Punch Kaunda left. When he left, that was the time that uh, God, God's calling in me was getting more high. And uh, at that particular time, I was not active now in playing soccer. Uh, I was uh, I was acting team manager, and the uh, uh, city of Lusaka took me for for re for refresher course as FIFA administrator. So I did a course in that. While I was attending that course, God just touched me there. I had to enroll myself with the Bible College with brothers and sisters in the UK. Uh, that that scholarship took me about three years for me to be to be accorded my status as a clergy and out of that god now transformed me from playing soccer to go and start heading the 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 the, the soccer fans body at that time particular patrick we had a problem here in zambia we used to play our games at independent stadium there before we shifted to chirirabombe at Independence Stadium, we had a section which was called the Gate D. And that Gate D, it had so many areas of not understanding well each other. Whenever the team was performing bad, they would usher in and paratable words towards the team. They would do insults were being thrown. They could not encourage the boys. So God opened my eyes to say, you see now, I've used you to be playing football. This time I'm changing you. I want you to go back into those terraces because they know you already. Go there and transform those people. So I had a challenge. I said, ah, but how am I going to mingle those people, those insults there? So God said, you know, I shall be ahead of you. And for sure, I approached by then the Chipolopolo Soccer Fans Associations to say, this is my calling. And uh, I would like to join you to, to help to transform that, uh, that noise, which is what is happening that side. So they copied me in there. I came up with some plans, how we can help. Uh, things didn't go well. So by then, the government advised me to, to, to open our own voluntary association because there were so many issues with the, the Chipoporo Soccer Fans Association. And out of there, we, we opened. And they were upon opening, the four, the games were transferred from Independence Stadium to Chirirabombe. Because it was not conducive here. Whenever we would lose here, there were some fun things which were happening against the team. Cars were being burnt, cars were being damaged. Because of not understanding of that loss which has come. We went to Chirabombe. Game started playing in Chirabombe. While we were there, God again touched me to say, look, now, Zambia, when you come to sports, it's not soccer only. There's so many other sports arenas there. I want you to go beyond soccer. Now that I've known you, we are, we are transforming the minds of the people. Oh, from, from, from insults, from hooligans, from unpalatable ways towards the team, uh, change now to these other associations. We rebranded ourselves to Zambia sports fans to accommodate these other sports personnel. Well, that is the dancing pastor, Pastor Peter Makambo, speaking to Patrick Nyangulu in Lusaka in Zambia. 
A couple of things in that interview for background. He mentioned there Chilila Bambwe. That's the stadium in the Copper Belt area in the north of Zambia, where national team games were moved to at one stage because of the state of the independent stadium in Lusaka. He also talked about the son of President Kenneth Kaunda being team manager at uh, City of Lusaka FC and uh, having to leave the position when Zambia switched to a multi-party state for security issues. We'll have the second part of this interview on the show next week as we'll hear how the dancing pastor survived life-threatening illness last year. But next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, to Stuart Weir in the UK, our European football expert. And uh, Stuart, who would have thought that Manchester United would respond from losing their first two games to beat Liverpool 2-1 last Monday? What a difference a week makes, Steve. As you say, last week we were talking about Manchester United being bottom of the league, not having scored a goal and being in complete crisis. A week later, they've not only beaten Liverpool 2-1, but are ahead of the Reds in the league table. And it was a lot more than just the score. Former United legend Gary Neville said it's the first time he'd seen a Manchester United team play with passion for over a year. The previous two league games this season, United had been 2-0 down before half-time. Well, against Liverpool, they started with a bang and had four attempts on goal before Liverpool had any. But there was a confidence, a buzz, an intensity, and as Gary Neville said, a passion about the way United played that we'd not seen before. To start with, manager Ten Hag made a brave decision to leave out captain Harry Maguire and Cristiano Ronaldo, both on the bench, probably to strengthen a defence pairing with his new signing Martinez with Varane. And it certainly worked. And up front, Marcus Rashford, who's had such a poor year, led the line like the Rashford of old, running at people. Trent Alexander-Arnold, the Liverpool right-sided defender, is an excellent attacking player, always high on the assist statistics. But as a defender, he can be suspect, and Manchester United attacked a lot down their left flank, and twice Alexander-Arnold was caught out and had to resort to a foul. He got one yellow card and was probably lucky not to get a second. Well, early in the game, Erlanga, you know, that Swedish Cameroonian player, got free and shot, turned to celebrate his goal, but it hit the post. Then, a few minutes later, Erlanga absolutely skinned Alexander-Arnold and crossed to Jaden Sancho on the penalty area. Now, you just felt that Sancho had to hit it first time, but no, he took five touches, turning defenders one way and then the other before side-footing into the net. It was as brilliant a goal as you could wish to see. And again, Sancho, one of the players who's been criticised over the last year for not contributing enough. Now, this is the third game in succession that Liverpool have gone 1-0 down. And they haven't won any of those games. And afterward, Jurgen Klopp says, we cannot continue to give our opponents a goal start. Early in the second half, Rashford made it 2-0. And that was the fifth goal he scored in the league against Liverpool. But remember, Steve, this is Manchester United-Liverpool. Last season, Liverpool came to Old Trafford and won 5-0. Now they're 2-0 down. Salah got a late goal for Liverpool, and that was his tenth against Manchester United, but probably the least significant. 
Now, it's only one game, too early to talk about turning the tide. But suddenly, Manchester United look like Manchester United. And that word from Gary Neville, passion, it has been lacking and it has returned. But also Liverpool suddenly look to have problems. Naby Cater and Thiago in midfield are injured. Nunes is suspended for that silly headbutt. And the Liverpool bench just looked a bit threadbare. And when they completed the first goal, television picked up James Milner and Virgil van Dijk arguing furiously. Not very Liverpool, really. And at the end of the game... You just have to applaud Jurgen Klopp, who went onto the pitch and shook hands with every Manchester United player. Even in defeat, the Liverpool manager has class. Yes, great sportsmanship there. And such an exciting weekend it was last weekend. Manchester City held to a 3-3 draw away to Newcastle. Another surprise result. Well, indeed. Uh, And not only that, Newcastle were 3-1 up early in the second half. And guess who got the Manchester City equaliser? Erling Haaland. He's paying back his transfer fee. Now, Kieran Trippier scored for Newcastle with a direct free kick. He's only been at Newcastle less than a year, and he's already scored three direct free kicks. And apparently only Alan Shearer, with four, has scored more direct free kicks for the club. And he was there for years. A win and two draws leaves Newcastle fifth in the table. And remarkably, that's the first time for 11 years that they've not been defeated after three games. Now, we can say that we were surprised that City didn't win. But equally, think about the City fighting spirit to come back from 3-1 down. It just shows that as well as the quality of the players, they've got character. Chelsea, on the other hand, were beaten 3-0 and it was a bad day for the African players. Goalkeeper Edward Mendy tried to dribble out of its penalty area and the ball was intercepted by Aronson, who put it in the net for Leeds. And new signing Koulibaly lost his marker late in the game and pulled him back. He was already on a yellow and got a second yellow card. And interestingly, that's the sixth red card Koulibaly has had in five years. And that is more than any other player in Europe's top leagues. I did come across a quaint statistic, Steve. Chelsea's last two away games last season, they lost 1-0 to Everton and beat Leeds 3-0. And as luck would have it, their two opening games this season were against the same two opponents. But this time they reversed the score, beating Everton 1-0 but losing 3-0 to Leeds. And talking about comparisons to last season, what about Arsenal? Currently top of the league with three wins in three games. And at the same point last year, they had played three and lost three. And the last time a club started one season with three defeats and followed it by three wins, apparently it was 1939. There's speculation that Chelsea, having got rid of Lukaka and sold Timo Werner, may be interested in signing Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Barcelona apparently may have to sell him as their wage bill is too high and we understand that Aubameyang earns close to $500,000 a week. So that's one to watch. Crystal Palace beat Aston Villa and after seven minutes it was 1-1. Goal from Wilfred Zaha 
and Ollie Watkins, both number 11. But well done to Saha. That's the Ivorians' 12th league goal in 2022. And Harry Kane scored the only goal for Tottenham as they beat Wolves. And that was his 250th goal in all competitions for Tottenham, 185 in the league. And his favourite opponent, Leicester City. He's got 18 goals against Leicester, which is quite ironic, really, because he was on loan at Leicester before he could get in the Tottenham team. But he'd a bit to go to get the record most Premier League goals scored for one club. That's Ian Rush, 228 for Liverpool. And talking of strikers, Sergio Mane got two goals for Bayern Munich at the weekend. Remember, he was signed to replace Robert Lewandowski who went to Barcelona and, yes, scored two goals for them as well. Now, Wolves had seven Portuguese players on the field against Spurs. And if you look at the six Portuguese clubs playing over the weekend, none of them had more than seven Portuguese players. Amazing how the influence of Portuguese managers has strong it is at Wolves. Nottingham Forest almost made it two wins in a row. But Everton, through Damari Gray, equalised with two minutes remaining. But Nottingham Forest have signed 16 new players over the summer. That's more than any Premier League club has ever done. And of the 14 players they used last weekend, only four of them were there a year ago. Remarkable. The standout signing still seems to be goalkeeper Dean Henderson on loan from Manchester United. And I'm not sure how this statistic has worked out, but Opta, the football statistics agency, reckons that Henderson has already saved 2.7 more goals than the average Premier League goalkeeper would have done. Well, that's interesting. Henderson making a big difference uh, at his club uh, with the stats like that. Thanks a lot, Stuart. Uh, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.